listen, good morning. Welcome to Vibrant. I'm excited about today because we're kicking off a brand new series called The Family Circus. Someone say The Family Circus. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like sometimes that my family can qualify as a circus. Can I get an amen from the parents out there? Yeah. Well, listen, I got a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, a one-year-old. I'm telling you, when I get home from work sometimes, they just kind of jump on me and start wrestling, and like 50% of the time, they're wearing clothes, and it is a circus sometimes when you're a parent. But listen, church, I just wanted us for a moment during this summer to to take a, a time to focus on our families. Our families are important. Your family is important. And as soon as I mentioned the topic, some of you maybe checked out and said, ah, I don't really want to listen to this. It's about families. And maybe it's because your family isn't the best example of health right now. Maybe for you, you come from a broken family. Maybe your family is blended with another family. Maybe your family's huge. Maybe your family's small. Maybe you're here today and you don't really feel like you have a family. Maybe you're a single mom. Maybe you're a single dad. Maybe your family is the the guys or the girls that live in a dorm room with you. Whatever your family looks like, listen, a family is in the context of the relationships that we are in. Your family may not look like someone else's family. Your family may not look like the mold, but we're gonna fight for your family in this series. Whatever your family looks like, the fact is, is that many times we have in our mind what a family should be. The Leave it to Beaver family, right? You got dad, you got mom, you got two and a half kids, whatever a half a kid is. But back in 2014, America crossed this line where now over 50% of households don't fit that traditional mold. So in this series, what we're gonna do is we're gonna fight for your family. Whoever your family is and whatever your family looks like, God intends for you to have a healthy family and to have a godly home. So in this series, what we're gonna do is we're gonna travel through some of the sideshows at our family circus. Like next week, we're gonna look at Taming the Beasts. That's parenting. Taming the Beasts, you know what I mean? Whether you have one kid, multiple children, whether you have a huge support system or you kind of feel like you're on this island by yourself and just barely making it. Next week, we're gonna look at parenting God's way. Then we travel to our juggling act. That's your relationships. The juggling act, whether it's your marriage or the relationships that you're in, friendships. We're gonna look at how to juggle your priorities in your relationships. And then we're gonna close out the series in four weeks with the feats of strength. Pastor Ron's gonna bring a message on leaving a legacy, leaving your mark on this world, having tomorrow in your thoughts today, the feats of strength, and maybe we can give them to flex for us a little bit, I don't know. Ask him after service today if he'll, you know, show up with a fake tattoo and flex for us. Feats of strength. When we get to today's sideshow, it's a sideshow that I love when I'm at a circus, but I don't really enjoy it when it's a part of my family. And see, that is the magic show because it's all about the smoke and mirrors. Now, I love a good magic show. And a great magician knows how to make you see one thing when in reality, something else is actually happening. And for a long time in my ministry career, I, I spent time as a kid's pastor. I would do magic for kids and, and teach them God's word while doing these illusions. And so today I thought, hey, it'd be fun to do some of that today. Can, we, can I do that here? Can I do a sideshow here? 
Some of you guys online are going like, oh, he's doing witchcraft. No, I'm not. Here we go. I need someone to help me up here. Will you help me out, man? Come on up. Come on up. Let's give him a hand real quick. Join me on stage. I need someone on this side to help me out. Who wants to help me on this side? Come on now. Come on, Asher. Give Asher a hand. Brightest shirt in the building. Come on, man. Right here. Listen, what I need, I need you up here with me, man. Man, everyone wore pink. What's going on? I don't have a pink shirt. I need to go shopping. All right, you come stand over there for me. You stand right here for me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give Asher this envelope right here. Now, Asher, hold this tight. Do not open it. Hang tight. What we're going to do over here is you're going to help me out with something, okay? You're going to sing a solo. I'm just kidding. I'm not going <laughs> to. He got real excited. I like boys to men. You want? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, so listen. I have a deck of cards right here. You can see they're just regular cards, right? All right, camera guy. Look, we got a camera guy, man. This is like legit. You see, it's just regular cards right here. It's a real simple thing that I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna have him pick a card, and I'm gonna show you that this morning while I was studying, I predicted what was gonna be picked and put it in that envelope. Say what? So, all I'm gonna do is go like this. I'm gonna fan them out. I just want you to point to a card. Just point to it. Which one are you pointing to? That one? Okay, this one? I'm gonna put that one on top. Not doing anything funny. He got close up on my hands. All right, so what we're gonna do is see what you picked. Four of hearts, the four of hearts, yes. All right, now you ready for this? Let's see how good I am at this, you ready? Check this out, what did I pick this morning? Let's see what I picked this morning. What? Come on, can we give my helpers a hand? Go have your seat. Thank you, sir. Give them a big hand. Hey, I'll pay you guys later, okay? <laughs> see, I intentionally, in this trick, I intentionally showed you what I wanted you to see in order to wow you. But if you actually knew how I did it, well, you wouldn't be that impressed, to be honest. And many times our family is the same way. We project into the world this image of what our family is. We got it all going on. We're, we got it all together. But if you really knew the behind the scenes, you probably wouldn't be all that impressed. Parents, I know you know what I'm talking about. Because we all have those family photos, right? That look perfect and everyone comments on them. And it's all great. But right before that picture was taken, parents, you know, Right, we're like threatening our children. You're going, look at the camera. I said smile, smile for real. I'm gonna spank you and make you smile for real. Right? We've all done it. A matter of fact, I showed this picture a while back. Here's a family photo that we took at Christmas time. And I showed it when I did a message on uh, being a puzzle piece. And because I made this one into a puzzle, it was our Christmas card, it was a puzzle, I made it for my wife, this was the one I put on Instagram. But the one I didn't put on Instagram was the one taken right before this, this one. <laughs> See, that one doesn't make a very good puzzle. It's not a memory I want to have. So here's the deal. This is what I want you to understand today. Is that God isn't holding up a perfect picture that you have to live up to. He's writing a bigger story that you get to be a part of. 
We all have this image of what family should look like. We have this image in our head of what a normal family is. But the reality is, is that every family is and looks different. There's no normal. So look at your neighbor and say, your family ain't normal. It's true. Think about it. Could you imagine Jesus trying to introduce his family when he was a kid? They'd be like, hi, I'm Jesus. This is my mother, Mary. And this is my, well, my, my dad, my stepdad. He's my earthly dad, Joseph. Well, okay, God's my real dad. Never mind. Could you imagine? There's no normal. So I want today's message to simply be a setup for the rest of this series as we dig a little bit deeper each week. But today, I want to ask you a question. I want you to evaluate yourself. Is your family healthy? Let's go a step further. Is your family spiritually healthy? Regardless of who you identify as your family, is your family healthy? Is your house full of joy, full of laughter, full of love? I'm not asking if your family's perfect. I'm asking, is it healthy? You may be having some arguments. The average person has six arguments a day. But are you taking those and processing the arguments and communicating and growing in love? Is your family healthy? Or maybe you're here today. You're very well aware. Maybe you're online. And you know that your family's not in a healthy place. If that's the case, I'm really glad you're here today. I'm really glad you're joining us for this series. I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. It may be hard work, but you were made for this. You were intended for this. And I pray that you take some of the, the truths that we're going to be speaking and teaching through this next four weeks. Take them and apply them to your family and start growing toward health. You know, the fact is that some of you in here right now, your home is not a restful place anymore. Maybe your home is restless. And on the other side of that, there's some of you in here right now that you're going, you know, like, my family's actually, it's pretty peaceful right now. But I want to challenge that as well. Is your family thriving? See, I believe that your family was intended to thrive. God wants you to thrive. You might say, well, my spouse and I, we're not arguing right now. We're not fighting right now. But are you thriving? Well, me and my kids, we're not, we're not at odds right now. Okay, but you also haven't spent very much time with them lately. Is your relationship with your kids thriving? Again, I'm going to ask you, is your family healthy? Or is it just a bunch of smoke and mirrors? Because today, here's the one thing I want you to understand. Is that a healthy home is designed by God to be the primary vehicle of change in the world. So your family being healthy is part of God's greater purpose, even if it's not a part of your current reality. For instance, if you want to know where families are today, 50 years ago, the average family dinner was 90 minutes long. Today, first off, we have one-third less family dinners. But the ones that we do have come up to less than 12 minutes. Why? Because we get so distracted nowadays. Got our cell phones, our shows, our sports. 
We become so distracted and we forget to make a priority, to make the people a priority that are sitting right on the other side of the table from us. And a reality that I want you to understand this morning is that Satan does not want your family to succeed. Satan doesn't want your family to be healthy. Why? Because he understands the impact and change that a healthy family can make on the world around them. The love that you show to one another will reflect who God is to the people around you. I mean, check this out. If you read in Genesis, God creates Adam. And God and Adam are in the garden. It says that, that Adam's out there. He's working. And he's naming the animals. He's doing all these things. And him and God are together. If you read in Isaiah, you know at this point that Satan has already been cast out of heaven. And he's dwelling on the earth. But it's interesting that Satan doesn't show up in the story yet in Genesis. Until God establishes the first family. God creates Eve. Now there's this family unit. But why does Satan wait until that moment to show up? This is what I believe. I believe it's because a spiritually healthy family is one of Satan's greatest threats. So today I want to spend the rest of our time together building up our families and making Satan really nervous. Amen? I want you to be able to leave here today and confidently stand up in front of your family, just like Joshua did, and say, as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. Amen? But how do we get there? Today, if you have your note sheet with you, how do we build a healthy home? Number one is this. Be clear with your plans. Be clear with your plans. If you've ever built a house before, then you know that everything you do has to be done intentionally. Could you imagine if it wasn't done intentionally? I mean, you'd have doors in the wrong spot, the slab would be uneven, walls wouldn't be square. There'd be a lot of problems. Building a house has to be done intentionally. And the same goes with your family. In order to build a healthy home, it has to be built intentionally. It doesn't happen by accident. I think it's interesting, if you look at Matthew 7, we see what happens when you intentionally build a home. Jesus is saying this in Matthew 7, uh, verse 24, if you want to read it with me. It says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So you're taking God's word and you're putting it into practice. You're doing it intentionally, not by accident. It says this, They'll build their house on a rock. They're like a wise man who builds their house on a rock. But then you have the contrast to the story. It says the rain comes down. It says the streams rose. So the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it was built on a rock. But what happens to the other house in this story? Check this out. Verse 26. It says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, people that do the opposite. You don't build your house intentionally. You don't build your family intentionally. They're like a foolish man who built their house on sand. What's interesting to me is what happens to this house. Verse 27, the rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house, but this time it says it fell the great crash. Isn't that interesting? In both situations, the rain comes down, the streams rose, 
and the wind blew and beat against the house, but the difference in the outcome for each home, whether it stood firm or it crashed in the storm, was determined by how they built the house before the storm came. When it was still sunny outside, how did they build the house? It reminds me of like people that have a storm shelter or like a tornado shelter. You don't generally wait until there's a tornado coming and the weatherman's going, get in the bathtub and go, let's go outside and build a storm shelter. Right? No, no, in a different season, when it was still sunny outside, they chose to build the storm shelter in preparation that if a storm came, they would be ready. See, in order to build a healthy home, you need to be intentional and you need to make a clear plan. Number two is this, write this down. Be honest with your challenges. We all have challenges, be honest with your challenges. If you've ever built anything before, you know it doesn't always go as planned. There's some of you in here today that are probably saying, look, I want a clear plan. I want a healthy home. I want to build my house on a rock. But we're so far in. There's been so many storms. I was building on sand for years. I just don't have a godly home. Maybe for you, there's been a lot of pain through a broken marriage. Maybe someone has had an affair and trust, and trust was broken. Maybe there's an addiction that has ravaged its way through your family. Maybe there's some generational curses that have been at play with your family. Let me tell you, that's a very real spiritual battle. And maybe the thought of getting your home healthy is overwhelming for you. Let me tell you again, like I told you earlier, if you're online, man, look at my eyes. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, I was at the beach a couple weeks ago. We were there, I was looking, and there were so many beautiful homes there. I noticed, I was kind of processing this message, and look at all these beautiful homes, but there's sand all around them, right? I thought, man, I wonder how they secure those homes. Are they not built on the sand? And many of you probably already know this, but no, it's not built on the sand. What they do is they dig down really deep to get down to the rock, a firm foundation. And here's the thing that I think we have to remember sometimes, is that just because there is sand present in our life, it doesn't mean that we can't dig down a little bit deeper and get down to the rock. You may have to work a little bit harder than someone next to you, you may have to dig up a few things that need to be removed from your life to get down there. But at the end of the day, the goal is to get down to the rock and have a firm foundation for your home. I think what Jesus showed us is that so many times sand is present and storms will come. And whether you live for God or not, the storms are gonna be equally intense, equally painful, equally hard. But the difference is whether or not there is destruction. So I think we need to be honest with ourselves about what our challenges are. What are our challenges in order to make a plan that works? Number three is this, write this down. Be confident in God's purpose. See, God's purpose is much bigger than our individual plans. And God's purpose is for you to have a healthy home so that your family can be a light into the world. 
Because if you have a healthy home, so many other areas in your life are healthy as well. For instance, if your home is chaotic, but you're over here like just killing it at work and work, you're just winning, you still inside feel chaotic. But if you flip that, if work is chaotic and work, you're, you're just struggling to get by, but your home is healthy and whole, then you have this inner peace knowing, I can get through this season. Your home is important. Over 60% of Americans, even today, say that their family is the most important thing to them. See, God's purpose is that your home is used to bring people closer to him. You see this in the Bible constantly. Jesus constantly goes to homes. You can look in Mark and see how, how he calls Matthew to follow him, the tax collector. He ends up going to Matthew's home and he, he meets and eats with all these other tax collectors. Zacchaeus, hey, get out from that tree. I'm coming to your house today. He does this numerous times with the disciples. They break bread together, sit together in a home. Then you see later on, you have all the followers of Christ. The Holy Spirit comes down on them in a home. A home is important. This is why small groups are so important. It's not about this building. It's about your home. We need to be a part of small groups. Bring God into our home. See, God's purpose is that your home is a place of worship. Jesus wants to be worshiped in your home. And we should feel his presence every single day. God doesn't want to just meet with you today on Sunday in a church building. He wants to see you tomorrow also. And Tuesday, Wednesday, all week long. But are we going to declare over our houses, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. When Joshua declared this over his family in the second half of Joshua 24, 15, what was happening here in this moment is that Joshua had led the people into this promised land. He had led them through battles. He was a godly leader in their life for years. And at this time, Joshua's getting a little bit older now. He's nearing his end. And there's some of the people, some of the Israelites that have begun to worship false gods. They began to put some other things ahead of God in their life. Does that sound familiar? Because we do that sometimes today. They put some other things ahead of God. And in this moment, Joshua gives a speech. And in this speech, he reminds the people of how faithful God has been. God has rescued us from slavery in Egypt. God has done miracles like parting the sea. We may have wandered for a while, but God provided food. He provided drink. God was always faithful. God was always there. He led us to this promised land. He's been with us through battles. God is faithful. But when Joshua gets to the end, he pretty much says this. So if you guys want to go worship all those false gods, go ahead. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And after he declares this over his family, something incredible happens. The people begin to say, well, yeah, God has been faithful. And he was faithful to our parents. So we're going to serve the Lord also. But as I 
as I studied this, I began to think about those people's parents. I found it interesting that they said God was faithful to our parents. I thought that was something I just really wanted to dig into. I thought, well, who are your parents? If we flip our Bibles back a little bit, when the adults that Joshua is talking to are now children, who were the parents? Well, the parents were being led by Moses. And after decades of Moses leading them from being slaves in Egypt all the way to the entrance of the promised land, after decades of him leading them, rumor had began to spread that Moses was going to be stepping down. This was this pivotal moment in time. Moses was about to hand off his leadership to Joshua. And in this moment, the Israelites gathered around Moses to hear what he was going to say. Because it had to be important. This is his last speech. What's he going to say to us? And in this speech, Moses chooses to use this platform with all these people to show the importance of intentionally growing a healthy, godly home. And we know that Moses' advice worked. How? Because even though some of those people got sidetracked and put other things in front of God, at the end of the day, they said, no, you know what? God was faithful to our parents, and we're going to drop all of that and serve the Lord also. We're going to go all in. So we know his advice worked. So let's check out what Moses says in his speech. It's Deuteronomy 6.4. This is what Moses says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Then I want you to underline this right here. Talk about them. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Verse eight, I want you to underline this right here. Tie them as symbols. Tie them as symbols. Underline that on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And then verse nine, underline this. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. So very quickly, here's some practical application that I want you to grab today. Because remember what number one was, we need a clear plan. So there's two areas of our lives that we need to intentionally insert God's word. Are you ready? Here's the first one. God's word needs to be number one in our speech in your speech. Moses said to talk about God's word when you're sitting at home. Talk about his word when you're walking down the road. Talk about his word when you're laying down and when you're getting up. So what can you do? You can start talking about his word. Although in order to discuss it, you're going to have to read it. Right? But talk about it when you're in your car. Talk about it when you're laying in bed. I think about this small group semester. I have, I've said this before, a small group that meets on Tuesday mornings at 6.30 and we just read the Bible together. And every Tuesday when I get home, it's 7.30, 7.45, it's about the time that my wife Kristen's waking up and I sit on the bed and we talk about God's word what I feel like he revealed to us that day. Talk about his word. Be intentional. A healthy home isn't going to happen by accident. The third thing is this. I mean, the second thing, I'm sorry. God's word needs to be number two in our actions. In our actions. 
Moses says to take God's word and tie them as symbols, to write it on door frames, write it on your gates. What is he telling us? To put God's word in front of you. Whether you have pictures all around your house with scriptures on it, whether you take sticky notes and you write, write God's promises on them and you put them on your mirrors and your refrigerator, whatever you do, it doesn't matter, but you need to do something to insert God's word into your daily life. Why is this important? What does this do? Well, check this out. Knowing what we know about Joshua standing over here and saying, hey, as, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And everyone else saying, you know what? Yeah, God was faithful to our parents. We're gonna serve the Lord also. Knowing that information and then seeing that, that Moses had this hand on practical ways for those people to raise their children to get to that place. Knowing all that information, Moses also in verse 10 gives the why. Why should we be doing this? This is why he says in verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The land that these kids are now adults in, that promised land with Joshua. Understand that those children have now grown up and they're there. Moses is saying, when the Lord your God brings you to this place, a land with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. When God pours all these blessings into your life in the future, be careful. Why? That you do not forget the Lord. Do not forget the Lord. Who brought you out of slavery, out of Egypt, and to this place that you're in now. But if you pause right there and put a pin in that, flip back forward to Joshua with, with the, the kids that are now adults. In Joshua 24, 13, this is what it says. It says, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them, and you eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Does this sound familiar? God is saying through Joshua the exact same thing he was warning through Moses. Verse 14, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But then Joshua says, but for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. As we close today, look, we know that God has created us in his image. And we know that he gives us his free will to make choices on our own. See, God could, with his almighty power, he could come in and just force you to serve him, force you to worship him. He could do that. But he loves you too much to force you. He allows you to make your own choices. And this is what Joshua knew as well. 
He knew he couldn't force anyone to serve God. But he could point back at how faithful God had been in the past. And Joshua knew he needed to lead by example. He needed to stand up and declare over his family that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And today I want to invite you to do the same. You get a choice. Will you be committed to your family? Maybe your family looks like that traditional model. Maybe your family is blended. Maybe it's the ones that you live with in that dorm room. Maybe your family's small, maybe it's big. But whoever your family is, whatever it looks like, and wherever you find yourself, will you be committed to declaring over your family? Because for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. No longer living with the smoke and mirrors of life, but being authentically in love with Jesus. Amen. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? There's some of you in here right now that you know your family's not in a great spot. You've been building on sand for a while. But today could be the day that a generational curse is broken. Today can be the day that your family begins to take steps towards health. Doesn't mean your family's gonna be perfect. It doesn't mean tomorrow's gonna be easy. But today could be the day that you choose to start digging a little bit deeper and fighting for your family, fighting for their health and declaring over them every single day that as for me and my house, going to serve the Lord. Today when no one looking around, you're in here and you're saying like, Mike, I want, I want you to pray for me right now. Pray for my family. I just want you to lift your hand and say, yeah, pray for us. We're going to come in with some boldness and declare some things over our family. Today's the beginning of your healthy home. Today's the season that we're going to begin building in preparation, knowing that there's going to be storms. But next time when that storm comes, it ain't tearing down our house. Now that's you. So if you can say, yeah, Mike, pray for me. Amen. There's a lot of leaders in this place today. So I'm about to leave my home. God, we come to you right now so thankful that you have a purpose and a plan for us and our family. And God, I pray right now for boldness for each and every one of us that no matter what the storms look like, no matter how hard the rain comes down and those streams rise, no matter how hard that wind blows against our home, that God, we are able 
to build our house on a firm foundation and our home will not be torn down. God, today we declare over our marriage, over our children, over those in our dorm room, God, we declare over anyone that we call our family that as for me and my house, God, we're gonna serve you. Jesus, we love you. We love you. As we stay in this moment of prayer right now, there's some of you that say, Mike, look, I, I don't even have a relationship with God right now. Or maybe at some point, you were living for him and then you got distracted. You put other things in front of him. Just like some of these Israelites did as well. But can I tell you, God's still faithful. God still sees you. God still has a plan for you. He still loves you. And today could be your day for a fresh start. Just like Joshua sat there and reminded them of how faithful God was, I'm standing here today to remind you, God is faithful. He is faithful. It doesn't matter if you've walked away. Today's the day to turn around and walk back towards him. So if you're in here right now, you say, look, Mike, I want a fresh start. No one's looking around. We just raise your hand and say, yeah, pray for me. Church, can we pray this as a family today? In this family series, can we come together in unity today? And will you pray this with me? Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. God, I'm so thankful. I know I didn't deserve it. God, forgive me of my sins. Make me new and give me a fresh start. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And the whole church said a big amen. Come on, can we celebrate that today?